investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 51 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Now I did mention earlier in the year that I um, was hoping to develop a sub-series within the podcast and today we've got our first episode of this series which I have decided to title Reminiscing with Richard. So I'm joined by none other than Richard Wakeland. Welcome Richard. Thanks Jared. You realise that this um, reminiscing is 50 years worth? I do, I do, which is exactly the reason why yeah. I've got you here, because there's so much to uh, knowledge to mine yeah. and uh, and so much to talk about. So yeah. the idea will be with this series to have Richard um, come in a few uh, over a few series um, and have a few different topics to discuss and things that he's experienced and seen over his 50-plus um, year career. So there's a lot to talk about. But today, um, I thought the best way to start the series was to look back at the beginning of Wakeland Property Advisory. Um, why you started the business um, and how. So if you want to give us a bit of an overview, Richard, as to the start, when you started the business and what happened early days, and then we'll get into some more detailed discussions. More than happy, Jared. And uh, before we started this business in 1995, I'd had, uh, by that stage, 20 years experience managing property and also um, being involved in the disposal of property for different clients. So we learnt, uh, we learnt a lot about... Uh, residential property in Melbourne and as a result of that we created a formula which um, led to the inception of Wakeland Property Advisory in 1995. Now the important point about the business was that there was no one representing the needs of buyers in the marketplace. And that's important to note um, in terms of, so Mark, this is the 1st of March, 1995. There'd been different buying services around, but nothing specifically for investors is what my understanding is. Look, exactly. And I mean, the key, um, the key point was the complete uh, non-existence of unbiased advice. Yeah. And also um, to a large extent, um, educating people on the subject of why they should buy property, if indeed they should buy property. So at the core of what we did, um, it was all about protection of buyers, but at the same time, it was also about education. And the way we did the education was we would hold evening seminars um, full of information and fact. And then that would often lead to actually doing on-site property tours yes. to bring the whole subject of property to life. So more of a practical example there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'd take people out and we'd literally physically inspect properties. And we've and done those, uh, yeah. um, probably not so much have we in the uh, post-pandemic or the pandemic era, but we were certainly still conducting, not on as, as regular basis as what you've done in the past, but yeah. the bus tours have certainly been a, um, a well sourced and a, and a well-regarded um, education tool that, that the business has used over the, um, what is it, nearly 28 years, yeah. or over yeah. 28 years. Yeah, now. yeah. So, um, you know, we, we also helped to shape the reasons why you would invest in residential property in Melbourne. Yeah. And there are five, um, to, to simplify it, there are five key points um, that I think are worth talking about and worth sharing yep. because they were the points that we established from day one. Um, 
The five points um, relate to capital growth, income, adding value, um, personal control, and understanding uh, tax advantages. So I might just quickly run through all five under the heading of, let's say, reasons for investing. Um, so the two most important factors, really, by far, are capital growth and income. Capital growth is at the top of our list, as you know, Jared, because capital growth is the key to attaining financial independence through residential property investment. So it's all about compounding capital growth, which results in an increase in an investor's equity over time through what we like to call a growth on growth effect. Yeah. So the important thing here is it's the amount of equity accumulated, not the number of properties you own, which is the key criterion for the astute property investor. And again, that's an important note because there's a lot of um, people around and you'll see in uh, on many social media accounts and, and things of people spruiking owning 20 plus, 30 plus properties. But the key question then would be, well, how much equity have you got yeah. against those properties? Yeah, yeah. So... That word equity is crucially important. So the more quickly you build equity and the more equity you control, the sooner you can attain financial independence. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two um, is income. So the next that next important point um, is a sound investment in, in, in income, that is rent in dollars. Yeah. Now, income serves two main purposes. It helps to fund the borrowings most investors need to invest in property. And as time goes on, uh, the income can be used to repay principal, helping to increase the owner's equity. And later on, as more debt is retired and the rent increases, it could be used to supplement or even replace the income you know, you might have been used to deriving um, from working. Okay. So just going into that a bit more, the income side of things, because we quite often hear about yield-focused assets versus capital growth. And we do um, speak a lot with clients, don't we, about the fact that um, you tend to find that a high-yielding asset um, works at cross-purposes with a high-capital growth asset. So yeah. can we just explore that a little bit more? So the, the yeah. high-income asset typically um, is more of the value is focused in the improvements as opposed to the land value because that's what a tenant will pay for. Yeah, and I, I'd have to say, to add further to that, that often a high-yielding property is inappropriately located. Yep. And indeed, the style of the property um, is inappropriate. Now, I'm talking purely investment here. Yes, I'm not absolutely. Ta- I'm not talking about home ownership uh, or talking about something that you might, you know, go and live in at a later stage in life. But one of the traps around um, selecting property is the lure of a high yield. Yeah. And at the moment in this current climate, we've got an extremely buoyant rental market. Yes. So yields are uh, increasing. And I think to some extent, people are going to come into this marketplace at this point in time looking looking for yield um, and, high, and very, very high yield. But in fact, they're going to be missing out on that essential aspect, building equity through capital growth. Which, again, that probably what further feeds to that is when we start to see that when we have seen interest rates rising yeah. fairly quickly over the last six to 12 months, um, and people are wanting, if they're looking to purchase, they're wanting to try and counter that. Yeah. So yeah. they do, you, you, you've got to be careful not getting caught up in the yeah. yield yeah. rather than looking at the growth yeah. side of things. Because yeah. the yield, Although, as you said, it's important, it is still secondary. Yeah, and I, you know, I think what we'll do um, 
in further podcasts is explore um, the where, what, and when of yeah. property so that we can just condense it right down and keep it simple and yeah. we can share with um, people the actual formula the around... Why. Yeah. yeah. The, the, let's call it the geography of capital gain yeah. and what works and what doesn't work within that within that context. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. Now, the other really important thing about ownership of direct property is personal control. Yeah. Um, it, I really like property because of the personal control. Rather than putting your, fa- your funds in the hands of um, a fund manager um, and you don't have that control, personal control, and this is one of the great benefits of investing in residential property, you have control over your asset. Yeah. So, in other words, I mean, by way of example, um, if you want to live it, live in it down the track, it's yours to live in. If you want to rent it out, you can do that too. You know, if you need to sell it, um, you can. Um, you can bequeath it to your heirs, um, and if you want to, um, you can uh, develop it. Yes. You know, Im- Im- improve it. Yeah, there's absolute control. Yeah. There. Now, talking about um, developing and improving. Um, Another nice, really nice aspect of direct property ownership is the ability to add value to a property. And I think that's something that um, has probably not gotten lost, but there's been a lot more caution around that during the pandemic because it's been, A, so expensive to to carry out renovations, but B, it's been very difficult to get access to a a builder or a trader who'd be able to do that for you. But I 100% agree, particularly when... um, there's been a lot of changes to the Residential Tenancies Act in Victoria, um, so expectations are, are much higher from a tenancies perspective. Yeah. But that's a so you can improve it from a, a rental return perspective, but you also can improve it if you do it the right way from a capital gain point yeah. of view. Yeah. So the nice the nice thing is that you can have a passive investment. What I mean by a passive investment is you buy a property, and hopefully you'll 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 buy it and keep it for the long term, and over the passage of time. Um, some properties need an overhaul, yeah. and an overhaul can take place um, in an economical way within a, within the existing shell of a building uh, by rearranging um, the actual spaces in the building rather than doing an expensive extension out the back or going going yeah. two story. So more cosmetic. Um, yeah, yeah, more more cosmetic. Yeah. Um, and you know that enhances the um, uh, increase in the rental return. And it also makes the property a lot more attractive yeah. um, if you get to the point where you want to sell it. Yeah. So last on that list, Jared, um, are, are tax advantages. Um, and people are surprised when we you know, place tax advantages right at the bottom of the list. But it's an absolutely deliberate point we like to make on our part because so many uh, poorly performing properties are marketed with tax advantages as their main selling point. Yeah. And sadly, um, uh, usually it's with a persuasive sounding report um, from a financial advisor with a vested interest yeah. in selling the development. Um, so you're not going to be getting um, unbiased, unbiased advice. Um, you're just going to be told, well, this is a good property and it's, you know, it's got a, a, a good yield. And, but the actual characteristics about what we're talking about at the moment are not sitting well, there yeah. underlying. So what's happened, as I've, uh, I've observed over many, many years, is that investors have lost literally tens of thousands of dollars due to biased advice that serves the development's promoter and not, sadly, um, 
one is the, in, in the investor. Um, you know, furthermore, um, tax attractions like gearing strategies, depreciation allowances and stamp duty savings, yeah, sure, that may assist the financing of an investment in the early years, but let's make the point very clearly um, that they're never the primary reason to invest because too often what happens is that it masks the property's low scarcity value and propensity for capital growth. So the big message here mm -hmm. um, is that saving tax never makes you financially independent. It should never be the primary reason of why you're investing in that property in the first place. You absolutely should take advantage of every tax advantage you can, but it shouldn't be the primary purpose. Yeah. Um, so that, that's great. It covers off a lot of, um, of areas and it gives a really good understanding as to why um, and what your, your objectives were for your clients when you did start the business. Are there any other things that, that you were working towards and that you had in mind when, when you opened the doors in, on High Street in QE? Um, yeah, there were a lot of, um, a, a lot of things that we um, did at the time. Uh, we wrote a book uh, yes. called Streets Ahead, um, which really laid out the formula for buying really good, strong, performing residential property in Melbourne. So that, that was a major point. Um, but what I'd like to also talk about is the importance of getting the planning right before you actually go and buy a property. And that's something that you spoke to prospective clients about yeah, when you started because it wasn't wasn't being covered off. Yeah, abso absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely weren't financial planners, we weren't financiers, um, but what we did want to do, um, we wanted to pe wanted people to understand the importance of managing debt. Now, as we know, debt can be productive or unproductive, um, or as some people would say debt. It, there's good debt, bad debt. Yes. So you've kind of got to really understand the subject of debt, and you've got to make it your friend, so to speak, yeah. not your enemy. Yeah. Um, and around debt is reducing elements of uncertainty. Now, what I mean by that is um, the, uh, the, the fact that interest, rate, uh, uh, interest rates can increase mm -hmm. um, over the passage of time. Um, so you need to allow for rate increases. And again, we've seen that in the last few yeah. years, and I think it's caught a few people off guard because we haven't seen interest rate rises yeah. for a reasonable amount of yeah. time. And so a lot of perhaps new buyers aren't used to it. Yeah. And um, on the subject of interest rates, we, which we can explore in another podcast, mm -hmm. so that you can you can get an understanding of. We're coming um, up with a lot of topics here. We it's are. Be good. We're really we're really rolling this out at the <laughs> moment. Um, we are at this point in time. We're actually in a normal pattern of uh, cyclical behaviour. Normal market. Yeah, yeah. So there needs to be an understanding from day one that there are economic and investment cycles yep. that play out and no one economic and investment cycle is the same as the other. But to get a level of uncertainty around managing debt, um, you need to think about understanding um, putting cash reserves aside mm -hmm. um, for times when a property might be vacant. Yes. And it might be vacant because it's going to be um, refurbished. Um, uh, but you need to have cash reserves, you need to have insurance for loss of income. So that's um, landlord's insurance? Yes, absolutely. Well, it also can mean your own personal income okay. from, from work. Yes. Um, so what I'm talking about here is productive debt that builds assets as opposed to unproductive debt 
um, that builds liabilities. Okay. okay so the, the, the whole subject is terribly important um, because that's what people worry about. And the second thing other people worry about is the ability to actually rent a property. So it's debt and being able to rent a property. Um, so I always like to make sure um, that people get good sound advice from their accountant um, as to whose name the property is going to be bought in. Is it in your personal name? Is it in the name of a super fund? Um, is it a, is in a trust? Um, all of that needs to be done before you actually head out into the marketplace and pound the boards, pound the pavements, yeah. look, looking at different properties. Very good. So and I guess before we wrap things up, there was probably one other thing that I think has been fundamental, and you've touched on it a couple of times, but one of the, the fundamental aspects of the business that I've noticed since I started in 2010, and it's always been something that's been pushed pretty hard, is education. And, and it's been a big part of what the business has done. Whether it's um, to be to, to gain clients or to give them, a, but in a lot of circumstances, it's just to make sure people don't make poor decisions. So, was that a big part of the education process? Was a big part of what um, you were looking to? Oh, uh, abs- absolutely. Um, because one of the big problems is misinformation. Yeah. Um, uh, biased information, as I said earlier, um, and at the end of the day, not everyone is suited to buying property. Yeah. You know, it's it's not for everyone and really um, there needs to be an understanding of a much bigger outlook rather than a short-term outlook. Um, So we're very much about long-term ownership and you'll have heard us say many times, it's buy, hold and never sell. Within reason and personal circumstances over the passage of time change. But the buy, hold, never sell um, statement um, is so important because you buy one property, you do well with that particular property, you've got enough equity to then springboard into another property. And as time goes on, if you want to keep adding to your property portfolio, you can. But the only way you're going to add to it is actually building equity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, doing doing it that way. Yeah. Um, I can't begin to tell you, Jared, the number of times I've sat down with clients and they've um, absolutely um, despaired over having sold a brilliant property, yeah. you know, going back whenever it might have been sold. Um, and the art of holding and buying and, um, you know, never selling and repeating the process is, um, is really important. The other thing is that people um, often understand, under, uh, do, un- understand that they, they don't, um, have um, a, a long-term outlook. And what I'm saying here is that you need to think long-term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is a very important part. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, the, you look at some of the education services that the business has op- offered, sorry, over time, as you said before, the, the bus tour has been a, a really big one. The uh, the PIFs that we've done, yeah. different stages over the Property time. investment forums, yeah. The property investment forums, the, the presentations that you've done to large banking um, yeah. in- institutions, but also to large mining groups, those sorts of things as yep. well. We've yep. had relationships with AMA Victoria. We've conducted podcasts now as well, which um, but we've also done a lot of webinars over time. So there's been a lot of different avenues to educating the public on, on property um, to make sure that they, it gives them the best chance to make the right decisions, whether that's around investment or whether it gets to buying a home and making the right decisions that way too. Absolutely, because I mean, getting it right dictates the success of your financial future or um, let's hope um, not having success. You don't. You don't have a success. Mm. 
Um, so we're all about um, creating success for the future. The best opportunities yes. to create success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's great. It's covered. All, we've covered a lot of territory, but I think um, we'll, we've got, as we said, a lot of other topics that we'll we'll do. So, over time, over the remainder of the year, um, we'll have a, a number of different other topics that Richard and I'll discuss under this reminiscing with Richard um, segment, which I think hopefully we'll, you'll find valuable. Um, but I really appreciate you coming in, Richard. Um, thanks everyone for joining us for episode fifty-one. Um, as always, please feel free to, to share the podcast far and wide so that we can uh, continue to expand the coverage. Um, but as always, if you would like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our web- website, wakeland.com.au, and we wish you all the best with your property decisions. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Joe.